Good, good morning, church. Uh, you're welcome to our Sunday service uh, this morning. Um, as I open up the, the service, I just want us to, to reflect on a, a number of things that I've been thinking of even this week. Um, you know, when you listen to the current affairs and the news, uh, you get disheartened because you know real time, especially with the technology today, we know what's going on around the world um, but the thing is, the world has always been like this. It's not too uncharacteristic of the world. It's fallen. Conflicts happen. Disasters take place. And we're just a little bit more attuned to it this time, when, especially with what's happening you know, with, with Ukraine and other places. But it's always been like this, really, um, if you think about it. And when, when I think of those things, I run to the passages where God's sovereignty is, you know, Explained and when, you know, look for encouragement. And this one in particular in Matthew, when Jesus says to his disciples here, says to, says to us as well about being anxious. And I just want to take comfort and for us as a church, what, what our Lord says to us. He says, therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And then he goes on to say, Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I mean, this is our sovereign Lord who knows exactly what's happening to the micro, to the macro. He knows the cobwebs in that corner as well as everything. And yet he says, don't be anxious. I mean, it's either we take him for at his word or not is really the case here. And uh, and so I hope that we, we trust him, we cling to his promises, despite of what we know and despite the, the, the fact that it affects us. And I want us to encourage us with those words. And so as we worship today, we're worshiping a sovereign God. And he loves us. He cares about you. He says he knows the number of hair on your head. He knows the names of all the stars. And so we can take comfort in that. And so let's pray. Father God, we come to your throne of grace. We know that we are sinful people. We are fallen creatures. We defy you. We offend you. We sin against you. That is our nature. But Lord... You've redeemed us. You took mercy on us. You set your face on us. You lavish us with your love. And through your son's sacrifice, Lord, you have redeemed us. Those who believe in you are redeemed, are forgiven. And so, Lord, we can trust you. Um, though there may be turmoil that we can see, though it might affect us, though it might cause us to fear and be anxious, your, your response to us is to trust you. Uh, you tell us to trust you. And help us, Lord, to do that even now as we sing songs to your name. Let's uh, imagine the fact that you are in heaven, worshipped by the angels nonstop, and that uh, we're just joining them in their chorus. And so, Lord, help us to have that perspective. It might be hard at times to to merge that, Lord, of what we see. And yet, Lord, you, we, you call us to trust you. And help us, Lord, to do that just now. Set our hearts in the right place in our attitude this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. And so let's let's stand to sing. Ten thousand reasons.
And we have all the more reasons to bless the Lord today. Let's sing, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Oh, bless the Lord, O my soul. Oh, my soul. Worship His holy name. I sing like never before. Oh, my soul. I worship Your holy name. The sun comes up. It's a new day dawning. It's time to sing Your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Oh, bless the Lord of my soul, oh, my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like this.
sinners. Are you a sinner today? Well, Jesus is our best friend. Jesus, friend of sinners, love me Declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, in keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. 
Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Thank you, Valerie. And uh, we'll just have our announcements now. Um, Brendan is bringing us God's word today. He's preaching uh, today. Uh, and next Sunday, Shane, uh, I think, is, is going to preach to us. And remember those who are preparing the word. I mean, they're doubly accountable in what they preach and teach. And so let's keep them in prayers as they prepare um, as they preach to us and admonish us. Um, crash is official now, but um, I, I think I, I was told to just have the crash open when, when the song later on before the sermon, because no one is minding them if you, if you go in the first um, the first, uh, the beginning of the service, so let's, so let's wait till the, the crash, uh, and the next song. And on Fridays, we have our family Friday, uh, Friday nights at seven. We have a program for kids and for youth group, for teens, and for the adult Bible study in that room. So join us on, on seven. And we have our day away on the 12th of March, and that's long, that's very short coming. I think in two weeks, we'll have our, our family, um, day away in Karoo Faith Center. So I think uh, I was told to remind you to contact Steve to give your um, details if you are booking and to, to give him, you know, the, the 10 euro, 10 euro for family and a fiver for person. And um, also to let you know that the regulations are changing um, as you follow the government. I think they're changing to, to ease off uh, COVID rules. And I think we're, we're just going to read what, what they're going to say and we'll... we'll We'll see what we have freedoms on. We're not going to impose anything. We're not going to say anything, but it's up to you um, just to let you know that the regulations are changing. And also the, the offering box is at the back there. Um, please do, do, uh, do uh, give to the church, give to the, the work, uh, which is to spread the gospel um, throughout this town and, and beyond. And, and also there's a big and eye ban in that one. If you'd like to give on a regular basis straight from your account, you'd have to remember um, just, just the, the piece of papers in the back. Um, I think uh, I'll call on you, Brendan, for, for prayer. Thank you. Right. Thank you, Andrew, and thanks for always uh, playing the music as well. It is good to have Andrew leading us in, in worship of our God. But let's pray. Let's give thanks to God. It's been a very, very unsettling week with what's happening in Eastern Europe. But the Lord our God is in control, and let's always keep that in mind. Okay, let's pray and ask God's blessing in our lives. Our gracious God, we thank you for the songs we've sung, for the fact that Jesus is the friend of sinners. And as Andrew pointed out, every one of us here this morning is a sinner, and Jesus is a friend. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you love us, you care for us, that though we are Sinful by nature and sinful by practice, we choose to sin. Nevertheless, Lord Jesus, you do not cast us aside, but rather you came in the form of man to redeem to yourself a people. Gracious Lord God Almighty, the Lord Jesus, cause us to want to live for Jesus' sake, to want to turn from sin because Jesus loves us, and that is the most important thing that anyone can know. I pray, Lord God, as in a little while we'll be studying your word together, that we would know and understand what it is that the Lord God would have us 
to know. And for our children, gracious God, they're going up to creche. Some are staying in here for the service. But Lord, <clears throat> I, I plead with you that every child that we have in our care would come under the sound of the gospel, the good news that Christ died for their sins also, and that while they're still young, the children would come to Jesus and acknowledge him as their Lord and Savior. Gracious God, thank you that you are a friend to sinners. Bless us and encourage us. I pray for Shane and Luana, Lord God, as they have been busy this week. Shane has been reporting to other churches of the good things you are doing here in Passage West. Continue to bless Shane and Luana in their walk with you in their personal life and give them safety as they travel. But Lord, we cannot ignore the fact that our worlds are our world is now in turmoil. And gracious God, we're reminded of the words that the prophet of old spoke when he said, with his own spear, you pierced his head when his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. You trample the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of the Lord to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, although there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. Father, we think particularly of your people in Ukraine and perhaps even surrounding countries where Russia has invaded Ukraine. We pray that your people will have the confidence to say with the prophet here that though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, I will rejoice in God my Savior. Give your people the courage to be strong. Lord God, there are missionaries there. There are many believers in Ukraine. Lord God Almighty, let them be a light and a hope to those who are living in fear. Let them, by their courage in Jesus, show that it is not the end, that the Lord God Almighty is in control. And thank you, Lord, that you are in control. And sometimes we wonder what is happening. We are fearful for the future. Gracious God, give us your people, both here in Ireland and in Ukraine and elsewhere, the confidence that just as Calvary, though it seemed like a great calamity at the time, Calvary was no accident, it was no tragedy, it was God redeeming a people to himself. And so even now, the dreadful things that are happening in Ukraine are all under your control. Lord God, I pray that you would bring to an end the fighting there, that there would be no more fighting there would be peace whether it would be by surrender or by the enemy who are realizing that they are doing wrong but we pray O oh god for peace in that land but all to the end that the gospel would go out that people would hear the good news that christ died for sinners as we even sung this morning jesus friend of sinners and we pray all this in his holy name amen Amen. Uh, let's stand to sing another song. And the, the kids, uh, the crash is open. So for those who have children, you can go. Let's stand to sing your words of life.
any visitors, I don't think we do, you're very welcome, but we'll please stay for a cup of tea and coffee afterwards. If you have your Bible there, you might like to turn to John chapter 7, please, John chapter 7, and we'll be reading from verse 14. John chapter 7 and and verse 14, and it's the account of the Jews, I guess, uh, We'll say interrogating Jesus, asking him where he got his knowledge, how he got all the learning that he has. And it, here's what it says. Um, Not until halfway through the feast did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews were amazed and asked, how did this man get such teaching, such learning without having studied? Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from him who sent me. If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. 
He who speaks on his own does so to gain honor for himself, but he who works for the honor of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Has not Moses given you the law, yet not one of you keeps the law? Why are you trying to kill me? You're demon-possessed, the crowd answered. Who's trying to kill you? Jesus said to them, I did one miracle, and you were all astonished. Yet, because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually it did not come from Moses, but from the patriarchs, you circumcised a child on the Sabbath. Now, if a child can be circumcised on the Sabbath, so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing the whole man on the Sabbath? Stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. And may the Lord bless the the reading and the study of his word. And just to to begin this morning with asking a, a question, what do you think is the main message of the Bible? What is, you know, why did God give us the Bible? What is the the reason he revealed it to us? Is it, uh, you know, is, is it how to be saved? Or is it how to live as a Christian? Or is it to answer, why am I here in this place? Why did God give us the Bible? What is the main message? And I would say it is all of those, but the main reason, above anything, is God gave us the Bible to reveal himself to us, to say, this is what I am like, revealing himself to through the world, to mankind in particular. Um, we are rational creatures, we're eternal creatures, and God wants us to think, so he communicates to us um, and, and that was, you know, Valerie read earlier, Psalm 19. You know, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim his handiwork. But then the law of the Lord is perfect, enlightening the soul. And God speaks to us through his word. And the Jews, we can see here, they were asking, where did this man get his learning? You know, he didn't study under Gamaliel. Paul boasted that he studied under Gamaliel. And, you know, he got great learning, and Paul certainly did. But Paul's greatest revelation was when God himself spoke to him. But the Jews were people who loved learning, and they still are like like that to this day. An interesting statistic, um, the Jews make up about 0.2% of the world population. That's 0.2% of the world population is Jewish. And yet, over 20% of the Nobel Prizes that have been won have been won by Jewish people. They are incredible academically. They are incredible in, in things such as economics, music, science, literature, uh, and other fields of achievement. The Jews are very, very academic, very learned. They are God's people. They just have that incredible record, um, very enthusiastic for learning. And you can see it here in this passage. They're saying, where did this man get his learning? Even back in his time, they were studying, and they were studying particularly the, the law of God. It was very important to them to keep on learning, but why were they studying God's law? What was the purpose that they were doing it? Um, and last week we looked at the challenge Jesus, Jesus called us to live to the honor of Christ alone, not for ourselves, our own desires. But now we look at <clears throat> why should we study the Bible? What is the purpose that God gave us his word? And Paul writes to Timothy later in his life. In 2 Timothy, he says, he talks about those who are always learning, but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. 
because the danger is you can study and study, and that's what the Jews were doing here, but they were not coming to an understanding, a knowledge of the truth. But Jesus urges them here at the very end of that passage. In verse 24, he said, stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. So you can have all the learning in the world, but the lack of wisdom to appreciate what God's word really says. And so we find the Jews, first of all, they have a, a deep respect for, for God's truth, a great respect for God's truth. Um, they admire Jesus' knowledge in verse 15. As I said, they, they say, where did this man get his learning? Um, where you get his wisdom. It's, it's mentioned a number of times in the Gospels. For example, the Jews are questioning, you know, isn't, he's, a, he's just the son of, of Mary. How, how could he get this wisdom? Or isn't this the carpenter's son? You know, where did he get all this wisdom, this learning from? And they were questioning, studying all of these things because the Jews genuinely had a desire to grow in knowledge, in understanding. But what were they trying to understand um, that they genuinely believed that they were God's chosen people, they were appreciating it. The trouble is, and I think we would be the same if you thought, and, and Christians do sometimes fall into the trap of being arrogant, thinking, I'm special. And the danger is we, we think it's because I'm special God loves me, rather than I'm special because God loves me. Um, how will I phrase it? God loves me, therefore that makes me special. But it's not me is special. It is God's love, loving me, that makes me special. But how do we find out about God? Jesus says very simply, he says, Moses has given you the law. Where do you think I get my wisdom from? I get it from the law. If you search God's law, you'll, you'll know whether I speak from God or from not. And so we, we can see, as I say, the Jews had great admiration for God's law. They they studied it. They It was their privilege to have it passed on to them through Moses, and it, it made them a separate people, gave them insight into God, like, you know, they had moral laws that the nations around them did not have. They, they knew what God wanted of them. And for the, for the Jewish people, the law was very, very precious. It was a very, very special gift to God from them. And it could be argued, in fact, yeah, that the Jews actually thought more highly of the law of Moses than they thought of God. Because remember, when, when Paul was traveling around, the accusation always against Paul, wherever he went, was, this man speaks against the law of Moses. Not that he's blaspheming or anything. They're saying he speaks against the law. And because for the Jews, the law was sacrosanct. It was above everything. And sadly, they studied the law, but they forgot the God of the law. And Romans 3 asks then, what advantage is there in being a, a Jew? And Paul is writing Romans, he being a, a Jew, but we'll call him an ex-Jew, um, though he, he never gave up his Judaism. But he says, what advantage is there in being a Jew? And he says, well, first of all, they've been given the very words of God. So for the Jews, the, the law was everything. It gave them wisdom, as I said, to know right from wrong. But they still hadn't found God. They desired wisdom, to d- desire to know what's right and wrong. And they definitely wanted to know God's will for their lives. As I said last week, the danger with knowing God's will for your life is, God, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to to be a missionary? Do you want me to, you know, to simply work in a in a low-paid job and serve you there? The danger is you ask God's will for your life, 
And if he gives you, if he reveals it to you, are you willing to obey it? Supposing God said to you, I want you to be a missionary in Ukraine, to go there with your family and to stay there through thick and thin. Would you be willing to do it? Or I want you to work in that factory where you'll get a low-paid job and you'll see your friends around you in better jobs, but I want you to remain there. Those are the difficult questions that God says, if you want to know my will, make sure you're willing to obey it. What does God want from us then? And where do we go to, to find God? What is God like? How can I find him? And just as I mentioned also last week, the Greeks, you know, I, I referred to the, the occasion when Paul was in Athens and, and he was talking to the, the Greeks and they were people who were full of, of learning and very academic as well. But Paul said to them, you're always learning, you're, you're searching for this God, searching for that God. There, was a, there is an inbuilt desire in man to find God, but who is the God that we are looking for? Because we find, as we read through this, the Jews were looking for God all right, but when he spoke to them literally face to face, they were unwilling to accept that this man is God because he was, he was undermining their concept of what God should be like. Man above the animals is born with an innate desire to, to seek God. It is the way he has made every one of us. He has made us for himself, and we are called on to search for him. But are we willing to consider God and to follow him when he reveals himself to us? But we find not only did the, the Jews respect God's law, they had great love for it, they, they studied God's truth and still do to this day. You know, they, the Jews actually have, they have the, the Torah, which is, they have their, their Bible, their Old Testament, but then they have the Torah, which is all the laws they have added to it because they want so much to do the right thing according to the law. So they've over 600 different rules added to it just to make sure that, that they are not disobeying God. But do they know the God that they are wanting to follow? So that they, they understood God's law enough to, they, they respected it, but they also researched it and they come up with all these new laws. And elsewhere Jesus says, you diligently study the scriptures so that you may find eternal life. But those are the very scriptures that speak of me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. You refuse to come to me. These are the scriptures that speak about me. You're not willing to recognize it, and you're not willing to come to me. What did they do when they looked into the scriptures? Did they find God? Did they find salvation? Did they find out who they themselves were? They didn't, because they saw themselves as the means of salvation. And so Paul wrote again in Romans, he said, But you... And he, it, he could be, it could be Jesus speaking to the Jews here when Paul says this. He says, but you, if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast about your relationship to God and know his will and determine what is best because you are instructed in the law. And if you are sure that you are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, a corrector of the foolish, a teacher of of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then, who teach others, will you 
do you teach yourself? You preach against stealing, do you steal? You forbid adultery, but do you commit adultery? You that abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, do you dishonor God by disobeying the law? So they had the law over and over again. They had it off by heart, literally, but they did not understand what God desired of them because they looked with the wrong mindset. They were looking at themselves, as I said, as the means of finding God rather than looking to God to reveal himself to them. They didn't realize they had no way of reaching God. They had no way to find God, no way to understand any spiritual truth unless God revealed it to them. And in their arrogance, they thought, well, we're God's chosen people. We're better placed than anyone else to understand God's law. He has given it to us, and they were. But their arrogance was blinding them. And the danger is that all of mankind is like that. If we think, I know something from God, it makes us arrogant rather than humbling us. Arrogance is a, is a, a terrible hindrance to finding God. And one of the great indications of, of modern man, and particularly Western man, sadly, the Western world in, in Europe and perhaps the US to an extent, is that we have become so pagan that we have no interest nor desire to find God. There is no desire to find God in the Western world. And the reason being that man has put himself on the throne of this world, we tend to think, I can understand things. I, I, I know enough. I don't need God. God is, in fact, an intruder into the modern Western mindset. And I was listening to a report during the week that, you know, it was just uh, a cess, it was a, a survey that was done of, of parents concerning uh, what kind of schools they wanted their children to go to. And 70% of the people that were interviewed said, said they felt religion should no longer be taught in schools. And I can sympathize with that as, as Baptists. We say total separation of church and state. The danger is what fills the vacuum that when religion is taken out of it, because we all get our moral values from somewhere, what will fill the vacuum when you take away Christianity or even Islam? It's, we don't believe Islam is the truth, but it teaches certain morals. If you have no religious instruction in schools, there is a vacuum. And as we say, nature abhors a vacuum. And the devil will be quick to fill it with falsehoods, with lies. And unlike the Jews of Jesus' day, modern man has discarded God. There's no longer, I would say, a search for God, only a search for prosperity, and not just financial prosperity, but progressing in this world, making things better, the ability to control our world. And we think we're doing that, so we, we, we've got the government passing laws that prohibit the teaching of religion in schools. We have laws passed that are in blatant contradiction to God's word. We have movements to pre prevent the, the recognition of, of God in, in state legislation. And God is very clearly being shut out from modern society. We don't need you. We can get by without you. And that is what modern man is saying to God. Rational man, in his rational mind, which God gave him that he might know and understand God, rational man is using his mind to say, I don't want you, God, out of my life, out of my 
family, out of my world. And we find that man who was created to know God is doing the very opposite and refusing to acknowledge the very existence of God. And it's only possible to pass laws of an immoral nature if we do not, if we believe we will not be accountable for them. But get rid of God and you're not accountable to anybody. It's why Nazism flourished. It's why communism thrived. It's why autocrats such as Mao Zedong were successful or Pol Pot or others. And I would go so far as to say it's why Vladimir Putin has, has invaded Ukraine because there is no God. There is no God, therefore I'm not accountable. There are no moral right and wrongs. I am Lord of my decisions. I'm accountable to nobody. And as a result of that, those societies such as Nazism and communism created societies that were not just godless, but sadly they were merciless. They were cruel and there was no compassion for people. And the frightening thing is, folks, modern Ireland is turning out like that. Shut God out. There is no longer any higher law to which we're accountable and we can make our own laws that suit ourselves. And, and so we find in modern man we have equally turned away from God in our arrogance and we convince ourselves there is no God because I don't see him, therefore he is not there. He hasn't bothered to reveal himself to me, so why should I look for him any longer? And, and man can do incredible things. It's, it's been over 50 years since man reached the moon. We've researched into our DNA. We can understand so much of the human body. We have control over technology. We are even trying to make contact with alien life because scientists say that there must be alien life there. There's no evidence whatsoever, but I remember seeing a, um, a well-known, a highly respected scientist saying, yes, within, within the next 50 years, I expect we will have contact with an alien force from, from outer space. There's no, no logic whatsoever to it. And, and here are educated people with all their, their technology saying, I think we will. And, and yet if you were to stand up and say, I met an alien, you'd be locked away. But when a, when, when a highly academic scientist says it, well, yeah, that, that's reasonable. But that is, that is the, the way that modern world is thinking. We, we have become so arrogant. We do not know how stupid we are. Our world is out of control. It happened this week. You know, six months ago, if you said there was going to be war in Europe, one country invading another, it would have been unthinkable. But it has happened. Man is not in control. Man can invade other countries. Man can do, but no, we are not in control. We cannot control our own behavior. We cannot control society around us. We cannot control anything. We think we can. But man is not in control. God is still in control. And the world is tearing itself apart. And we have never found an answer to man's greatest enemy, which is death. Man thinks, oh, we, I am Lord of my whole creation. I am Lord of my environment. No. We all will face death one day. Man is not Lord of this creation. And you, you look and you think, 
What a mess we're making of the world we live in, the world that God has created and given to man, saying, go forth and flourish, rule the earth and subdue it. We have misruled it, and rather than subduing it, we have abused it. And the only thing we've done well is flourish in numbers, but even that is coming against us. We've increased in knowledge, and yet we've lost the appreciation of truth. We no longer search for truth. We search for knowledge, for prosperity, for power over our environment. But we don't want to find the ultimate truth, who is the living God. Jesus said, I am the truth. And in many ways, no, no. We we are like the Jews of Jesus' day, but we're far worse because they at least acknowledge there is a God. They respected God's truth. They searched for God's truth. But like them, we have rejected God's truth. And Jesus said to them, he, he, essentially he was saying to them there in, in verse 17 when he says, you, you search the scriptures and you will find whether I am from God or not. I study the scriptures. That is where I get my knowledge. You also must study the scriptures to find the living God. But it's not just studying and learning God's will. It is obeying it, he says. But you can only obey if you believe that you're accountable to God. And they simply, they did not believe in the God of the Bible. They believed in a God of their own making. And so we notice Jesus rebuking them because they could not condone what he had done. Jesus had, before this, he'd healed the the cripple on on the Sabbath in, in at the, at the pool in, in Siloam in, in Jerusalem. And Jesus had healed on the Sabbath and that was, that was anathema. That was against God's law. And yet he said to them, you, you accuse me of breaking God's law because I heal a man on the Sabbath. And yet you do the work of circumcision on a, on, on the Sabbath just to keep God's law. And, and that's why he says at the end of that passage, he says, stop judging by mere appearances. And make a right judgment. Will you start thinking logically? You do not understand the God whom you say you worship. You know the rules of God, but you don't know the God of the rules. You know the rules of God, but you, <clears throat> but you don't know the God who makes the rules. And the greatest thing that we need to learn, and the most vital sermon that anyone can hear, is a sermon that teaches us about God. As I say, it is important that we preach the gospel, that we tell people how to be saved. It's important that we tell people how they should live as Christians. But the most important thing that we can know is to know the living God. And this is why Jesus came to reveal God to mankind. Those things will all fall into place, all those other things, once we meet with the living God face to face. Once we know the God whom we say we worship. So, for example, if we appreciate that the holiness of God, it will cause us to turn away from sin. If you know God is holy, you will turn away from sin. And it's why I will often say to people, if they're struggling in life, struggling perhaps in their marriage, sit down and read the scriptures together. Because if you read the scriptures together, you will know that you are, you are studying them before the living God and you're accountable to him. You cannot be angry with each other and pray together. You cannot be out with each other and say, let's read and see what God has to say to us. 
because it will humble you. You will be aware that you are standing before the living God. Encourage people always to read the scriptures together because it is a humbling thing to do. But if we are turning away from sin simply because it's against the rules, it will not be out of love for the Lord Jesus, and it won't be it, it it won't bother us if we offend. If we think, oh, it's against God's law, but He might let me off this time. It's against God's law, but it's so small it doesn't matter. But if you appreciate the holiness of God, it will cause you to turn from sin more than any sermon about sin or anything like that know the God whom you worship and it will humble you and cause you to live a holy life their interpretation of the law was like it was a reflection of what they saw God as like he is a God of rules and regulations and the problem for man is that though God reveals himself in his word not only do we not see or understand who God is But we don't want to know him because that would mean we would have to acknowledge him as being holy, as being Lord of our lives. And that goes against human nature. The problem we had here was that there was an admiration for truth. There was a desire for knowledge, but there was an unwillingness to come to God and humble themselves before him because they had no appreciation of the God who revealed himself. And God was revealing himself in the person of Christ. Here he was, when when Jesus says, search the scriptures to know whether I am from God. But they searched the scriptures to find fault with Jesus, not to see who he is. And God was revealing himself. They were unwilling to acknowledge him. God was revealing what was right. What a to, compassion to heal a man on the Sabbath was the right thing to do. But no, they said, no, it's against the rules as we see them. Therefore, it cannot be from God. God was a revealing truth, but they were unwilling to see it. And there's, there's a phrase that says, there is none so blind as, as him that will not see. Not that cannot see, but him that will not see. If people do not want to see something, they will not see it. They will refuse to come to God. And yet all of this was fulfilling what was written in the Old Testament. They will look and look, but not see. They will listen and listen, but not hear. And all they could see was he broke the Sabbath. They could not see the the compassion of God. It's why so many of Jesus' parables, whether whether it was the the story of the Good Samaritan or the story of the, the prodigal son, it was revealing the compassion of God. Because for the Jews, God was a God of rules. He was not a God of kindness, tenderness, and compassion. They had the scriptures, the embodiment of truth, as Paul said. But they went to it with a fixed mind and said, no, we're not going to let those rules dominate us. The scriptures reveal God all right. But if a person is unwilling to see the God who is there, then God will remain hidden from him. And just in closing, to remind us of, of the story of, of when Moses went back to Egypt to call on Pharaoh to let his people go, let them go and worship him. And it said that Pharaoh hardened his heart, even though he saw the miracles of, of the Nile being turned into blood, of the, the flies, the, the, 
the hail, all, all the terrible plagues upon Egypt. And Moses called down these plagues in God's name. And Pharaoh could see, but it said Pharaoh hardened his heart. But as time went on, it said God hardened Pharaoh's heart because he was unwilling to turn, unwilling to see God. And eventually God said, I have shown enough kindness and compassion to you. I have given you enough chance. Now go. You will suffer the consequences. And for the world that we live in, for us even as believers, make sure that we know the God whom we worship, his kindness and his compassion. And he is always slow to anger, abounding in love and kindness to us. But one day his wrath will come. And that is what we must be aware of. And, and so ultimately it is when Jesus says, make a right judgment and stop judging by mere appearances. Know the God whom you worship. And so my, my final word to you this morning is, study the scriptures to know God. Not to know rules or rituals. Not to know how you should live or even how you should be saved. Study the scriptures that you can know the God whom you say you worship. Because if you know him, it will transform your life more than anything else. And may God bless his word to us um, as we continue to worship him, remembering the means by which we have access to him, which is through the blood of his own son, the Lord Jesus, who spoke to us from his word. Let's just pray for a moment before we sing. Our gracious God, I thank you that you gave us your word to reveal yourself to us and that we are called to know the living God. We are called to turn from our own ignorance, blindness, and and the things, the distractions all around us. Lord God, cause us to want to know you, to want to love you and follow you with all our heart and soul. Thank you for your word that reveals you to us. And all this we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Just in response to the sermon, this is how deep the Father's love for us. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that He should give His only Son to make a wretch's Turns his face away as moves which mother chosen one bring many sons to Behold the man upon the cross, my sin upon his shoulder. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice All out among the scoffers It was my sin that held him Until it was accomplished His dying breath has
We come to take uh, the bread and the cup. Uh, what incredible comfort it is. And that's what I was thinking throughout Brendan's sermon there to us. What incredible comfort that God has revealed through his word, his son Jesus. And that changes absolutely everything for us. Um, it's important to say that this is something we do every week. So week after week we take this bread and we take this cup and so there is a danger that we could fall into this habit, this ritual, um, like Brennan said, very like the Jewish people, that this is just something we do um, as a people, as a, as a Baptist community. And so it needs to be said, it needs to be said often, we do not take this just out of ritual. Um, no amount of taking this little piece of bread or this little cup of juice will save you, uh, will make you right with God. It is only through Jesus that we are saved. So it is as Christians, it is as believers that we take this out of praise and out of worship, out of remembrance of what he has done. Um, so I want to take a moment to pray for you. If you are not part of that community of believers, I would urge you to take seriously what you've heard in God's word this morning and come before God and cry out to him to be saved. Do not take the bread and the cup this morning, uh, but go away and come to our God and be saved. Next week, come back and join us as we celebrate together and take this as believers. So let me pray. Father God, for anyone in this room who do, does not know you as their Savior, who cannot say that Jesus is their Lord, Father, I pray for them. I pray that today would be the day that they would cry out to you for salvation that they would see from the power of what Brendan just brought to us, God, that it is not just the words in the pages of your book that we need to study. We need to study who you are. We need to know who you are, God. And that you have given your son, Jesus, to die for my sin, for the sin of every person that sits in this room, God, and they too can be saved. They too can join and become part of this family of believers. So I pray, God, if that is on anyone's heart here this morning, I pray that they would make that decision today to come before you. If they do not know how, God, may they come to any of us afterwards and ask questions, ask for guidance, and may we guide them towards you, our Lord and Savior. Amen.
we will hand out the the bread and the cup. If you hold on to it, we're going to sing a song of praise, um, and then we will take it together afterwards. To see the dawn of the darkest day, Christ on the road to Calvary, tried by sinful men and torn and beaten there, nailed to a cross of wood. This the path. Of the cross, Christ became sin for us. It took the blame, He bore the wrath. We stand forgiven now. The cross, and though to see the pain. Written on your face, bearing the awesome weight of sin. Every bitter thought and every evil deed, crowning your blood-stained brow. But this the path of the cross. Christ became sin for us. He took the blame. He bore the wrath. We stand forgiven now. The cross. But now the daylight flees. Now the ground beneath. Quakes as its maker bows his head, curtain torn into dead erase to life, finish the victory cry. This the path of the cross, the Christ became. Sin for us, He took the blame, He bore the wrath, we said, forgiven now, the cross. And now to see my name written on the wounds, for through your suffering, I am free. Death is crushed to death, and life is mine to live. One through yourself is love. This the path of the cross, Son of God, slain for us. What a love, and what a cost we said forgiven at the cross.
Amen. And praise God for what he has done for us. So we take the bread in remembrance of his body broken for us. Let's eat together. And as his blood was shed for us, we take the cup in remembrance of his shed blood for us. Let me close our our service in prayer. Father God, indeed we praise you and thank you for this morning. Another time, God, remembering what you have done for us, who you are, God, in your word. Um, and that you have sent your son Jesus for us. What hope that gives us, God. What comfort. I pray going into this week that we will seek to know you more, God, from your word. That you would draw us to prayer, God. Not only in the times when we need comfort or when we are fearful or anxious, but even, God, in times of joy. May it be part of our daily life that we come to you in prayer. Bringing uh, our church before you in prayer bringing our friends, family, neighbors, and indeed things going on around the world before you in prayer, because you care, God. So God bless us in this week, I pray. In the name of your son, Jesus, amen. Please stay for tea and coffee, if you can. Thank you.